Fair enough. You ready? I am. You got your J rolled and you're ready to go. Hey, everyone. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of THC True Hollywood Crime. I'm your host, Mariah. This is your host, Bailey. With the J. B with the J. We like to call her BJ. Mm-hmm. Welcome back, everybody. How we doing, party people? We're doing great on this melting. warm, balmy <laughs> That's Friday it. That's evening. a great fucking word for it. It's not even that it's that hot. It's balmy. It's balmy. It's sticky thick. But it's not as bad outside. No. It's in the pod shed. We're that a little... hasn't been opened in decades. Sticky, icky, icky, icky. But, you know, it's good for us. It'll sweat out some of our sins, of we which we hope. have many. We can hope. What's going on? What so, have we been doing? We've been hanging out. We had a lot of fun last weekend. You had friends from out of town. <sighs> Drank too much. Always. Way too late into always, the night. Always. Had and a lot of fun. Even though it was a short work week, it still ended up being like a long work week. It's like, is it fucking Friday yet? Come on. TGIF. We are recording on a Friday, which we haven't done in a long time. So. It's like the good old days, the OG days. It is, before I had a job, but now that I have one of those, I have to work on Saturdays. We are just drinking claws tonight. Just the claw. No wine, no vodka, <laughs> no no shrooms. <coughs> Darn it. Dang it. That's okay. <coughs> Be in a car for three hours tomorrow. Going to see my father-in-law for his 75th birthday party. <sighs> Joy. All right. So we could suck it up. Take one for the team. That's right. So how was your week, B, besides long and horrific and terrible? All right. It was just dumb. Perfect. And speaking of dumb, you want some dumb news? Um, Sure. You got news for me first? No. Yeah. I have stuff, but it's not news. Yeah. All right. So yeah, well, to keep myself entertained at work because I got that bomb dropped on me that I'll be covering my branch again all by myself. Good times. We have two paranormal shows to look forward to oh apparently Kristen stewart has decided that she wants to do quote unquote the most gayest most funnest ghost hunting show ever made fantastic i am on board i'll watch it with my kid and as far as gayest that means literally cast and crew will all be part of the lgbtq plus which I thought was really interesting. Love it. Mm-hmm. Love to see it. And then the other one is coming from our girl Kesha because she has firsthand experience, right? She claims to have had sexy time with the ghost. Oh, <laughs> somehow I missed that news brief. Her and, and Anna Nicole Smith. Uh, she said the same thing. Yeah. And so hers is called Conjuring Kesha and it will be on Discovery Plus. Perfect. And Nicole Smith, I still remember the interview. She talks about how a ghost used to come in and fuck her, and she said it was the best sex of her life. Yeah, interesting. I mean, I've definitely heard other people talk about it. Um, There's a pretty toxic girl on YouTube that I'll watch every once in a while, and she had a vivid dream about, like, but hers was more like a rape, like it was an aggressive ghost. Oh, dear. Mm -hmm. No, I think Anna Nicole Smith really started to develop feelings for her ghost. Well, I mean, to each their own. Amen. I loved this one, local news, um, in the town of Paradise that we've talked about a few times. They were having a 50th high school reunion. 
and three of the classmates got stuck in an elevator and had to be rescued. But don't worry, because they had an ice chest and the makings of margaritas. Shut up. No, not even fucking kidding. In our uh, local amazing. news. So there are these three women in an elevator like, we're cool. Take your time. And it's the 50th anniversary. So they're like 68. Yeah. 70. They're old. <laughs> Girl, we'd be so blacked out drunk in that elevator yeah. by the time they came it, and found They happen to have an ice chest with all the makings for margaritas. Oh, so they you had have to it. pee then. You got to empty the ice chest to be able to pee Yeah, it. for an impromptu happy hour. So amazing. Getting stuck in an elevator is one of my biggest fears. I take the stairs almost everywhere. You have to be so far up that building for me not to take the stairs. Check it out. So my building is only two stories. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean three if you count the basement or whatever. But I always, always take the stairs because in the 10 plus years, I guess, going on like 15 that I've worked there, I've seen at least six people. <laughs> Stuck in that fucking elevator. No, I could never. Stephanie has been stuck in it with yeah. multiple advisors, like to the point where it was so hot and they were like having trouble breathing. I would rather die not to be dramatic. And the last time it got serviced, I remember joking with the guy about what a shit show it is. Because our building's really fucking nice. Mm-hmm. But the people that work in the building know all of its flaws, right? If you just come in every once in a while, they're like, oh my God. Yeah. It's like fucking work here. Yeah, yeah. Um, the phone, the emergency phone. Mm-hmm. does not have a fucking dial tone that's so funny. it does not work that's so funny so if that you feels if illegal. you don't have a cell phone mm-hmm. and in our building the only service is verizon i was gonna say and you have reception in an elevator yeah that's it only verizon. i would feel so stupid if i got stuck in an elevator for that long on a two-story fucking building no literally Li- you can look down at your car and like throw something at it through the window right? i used like, to like i would go um my doctor down in the Bay Area, I would be a hundred months pregnant. Yeah. I would be fifteen months pregnant. And you'd still do the it. most pregnant. Mm-hmm. And there's never any parking in the fucking East Bay, so I'd have to park at the top of the garage. And my big ass pregnant would ass waddle. still took the stairs mm-hmm. slowly because yeah. I was scared. I didn't mm-hmm. want to fall. Of but course. no, I would still take the stairs. I just chalked it up to exercise. That and not as severe, but any parking lot in the world. I'll probably park just far away and walk because I can't live with myself if I'm one of those people who just constantly like circle and like fight people off for closer spots. I, I the time. Never. Yeah. I understand if you have a hard time walking or like you need to be closer, but I don't. Yeah. So I will go to the far end and walk my ass in. Right. No. Extra steps. Never hurt nobody. For sure. But you know what could hurt somebody? What? Too much mayonnaise. No, never. You would have already died. Apparently, because it made a man kill a subway employee. Oh, shit. Literally. (laughs) All hell broke loose. Over mayonnaise? Over too much mayonnaise on the fucking sandwich. Too much? That's what I'm saying. What? I'm like, I'd cut a bitch over a light mayonnaise, or if they tell me it's mayonnaise, but it's fucking Miracle Whip, I'll throw hands. For (laughs) Miracle Whip. (laughs) But yeah, too much mayonnaise. Now, like, too much mustard, mm-hmm. I could understand. No. Uncalled for, people. Not too much mayonnaise, and I can never have too much oil and vinegar. Oh, God. Well, any sandwich place, when yeah. they do that, like um, Jersey I, Mike's. I always tell them more, please. Because yeah. they are, like, always, like, a little squirt. And I'm like, that was great. Douse it. Just more, please. Yeah, yeah. G- give me a shot right in my mouth. I like a wet sandwich. I don't, it's not that it's a wet sandwich. It's just oil and vinegar is not something I get in my daily life very much. Mm. So if I'm splurging on a sandwich. Yeah, we're doing it. Give it to me, baby. Yeah, we're doing it. 
Cool. Well, uh, two wait, more. how did he kill him? He shot him? I didn't print out the whole article. Oh. I just all I, ha- all I had to read was too much mayonnaise. Did I he think, choke him with mayonnaise? I think he stabbed him. <laughs> Our queen, Paris Hilton, revealed that she snubbed the president mm-hmm. to attend our other queen, Britney's wedding. As she and I thought that was fucking epic. This is even that great of a president. Who no. cares? It's not like it was Obama. But the fact that they even offered like, oh, we'll helicopter you from one event to the yeah. other. And she's like, because I'm going to fucking show up to Britney's wedding. In a helicopter. And just ruin her whole thing when she's trying to be super low key. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The wedding get the guest list for that wedding was, was so, insane, but it was so weird. It was so out there. There was so many people where I'm like, why is he? Why is Ansel Elgort there? Right? Who is that? Why is that person there? For sure, it was really weird. So f- felt like everyone got an invitation and just some people showed up. Cause like even Drew Barrymore, like it's not like they've been longtime friends or anything, right? <laughs> so from what I understand. <coughs> People have been speculating online. Are these are celebrities who voiced their support for mm-hmm, her mm-hmm. or like behind the scenes yeah. were making efforts to personally reach out and do their part to help her? Could be, but I don't see Ansel Elgort doing I that. I agree, but that's what I say. That's like what people are speculating. But then again, it could also be something where it's like, you know somebody on her team i don't know because it's so hard i don't know how much her dad controlled but like you know maybe they share the same agent or something Mm -hmm. i have no idea and we know nothing really about the husband for all we know that's yeah angle's best friend his bestie (laughs) all right one last piece on the whole president thing apparently howard stern revealed that he's gonna run in 2024. Oh, great. And he asked Bradley Cooper to be his running mate. I would trust Bradley Cooper as a president, but I don't think Bradley Cooper would want to do it. But this, oh no, he said to Howard, he's like, fuck yeah, I'll go with you. Yeah, no, but I mean, he they'll actually it do it. Yeah, no. I oh, I'm sure they'll actually run, yeah. but they're not really running as politicians. It's yeah. just a publicity thing. And I just think it's hysterical. I'm like, with so much horrible shit going on in our country right now, for these two clowns to be all like, let's fucking do it. Oh my God. Right? It's like the govern governor race when we were in like high school. For real. Schwarzenegger, Schwarzenegger and got, the porn star. It, but it, but all kinds of like B-list celebrities. Oh, no, for real. They're like, we got this. And then no one believed that Schwarzenegger would actually get it. And we're like, holy fuck. No, nobody believed Donald our, Trump would actually get it. I know. It. This is what's And the fact happening. that Donald Trump made Arnold Schwarzenegger look qualified. We're like, whoa. Seriously. Um, what a downward spiral we're in. Well, listen, somebody who will probably run for president, I imagine, whether you uh, people listening are a fan or not, I'm going to assume you're probably not. I'm a big fan. Our governor, Big Daddy Newsome, mm. um, he announced the California Insulin Initiative. I read that today. Where California, a.k.a. the fifth largest economy in the world, is going to start manufacturing and producing our own in-house insulin that people will be able to buy at cost over the counter. Thanks, Big Daddy Newsome. We love it. I wanted to know your opinion on that because with insulin, is it... Like, I know with certain prescription drugs, people say like they need the actual versus the generic... I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Like, do you have an adverse 
reaction to certain brands of insulin? No. No. Not that I've ever tried. Okay. Right now, because even with my insurance, the insulin that my doctor would want me to be on, which is like a new progressive name brand insulin, yeah. is still hundreds of dollars a vial right. with my with, with the insurance. With insurance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm still doing over the counter the cheapy insulin which for a lot of people doesn't work because they don't know how to use it properly because they're newer diabetics there we go so they're used to like the new technology like high-end nice insulin it's like they learned how to drive on a ferrari gotcha versus i learned how to drive in a fucking pinto gotcha and so now that i have that old insulin i know how to use it because i've been diabetic for long enough that's what i started with it works for me my blood sugar is under great control but yeah, if you are a newer diabetic or you're a diabetic who's used to the newer, better, cooler insulins, or if you're used to having a constant insulin pump, which I don't have, mm-hmm. you can't use that shit. So I'm hoping that the California insulin thing will make a, an, a, you know, an assortment. That's kind of what I'm getting at. Yeah. yeah. But at the very least, they should be making the newer insulins at cost because you can get old school shitty insulin at walmart for 25 bucks a vial. right now you can get over the counter okay it's just not most modern diabetics don't want to use that right so perfect that that explains it yep Yep. so that was exciting yeah um okay so you want to do like a little perfume test oh i'm excited i ordered some more samples because i'm still trying to lock down what perfume i want to spend the big bucks on and get a big bottle of. right so far, my favorite has been the Baccarat. Yeah. 540. The OG. The OG. The more I smell it, the more I like it. Um, one of the women at my work has the alt fragrance version. And you can smell that woman if she's been in the room and has left. Mm-hmm. You walk in, you're like, oh, fuck. Taylor was here. It smells yeah. so good. Okay. Everywhere but she goes. But that's the alt version. It's the alt version. Yeah. But it smells delicious. Okay. And so I'm still really going towards that but as we discussed cloud by art and grande is good but it's a little too sweet for me the Correct. alt is less sweet got it and then there was also the one that you got that was like the fireside i do like that one and alt has a version of that one too but it just feels more like a fall fragrance okay. it doesn't feel it's like not a at summer. all the time yeah it feels like something i would want to wear during fall winter okay so anyways tonight we're gonna you can smell i actually have it on um, this is one I've been dying to try. It's the Tobacco Vanilla by Ooh, Tom, Tom Ford. Ford. Mm-hmm. So here you go. Here's okay. your little tiny vial. Remember, okay. it's the one that is just open. Mm-hmm. And you can smell it. And I'll see what you have to say before I give my opinions on it. I'm not getting tobacco or vanilla. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm getting like pine, sandalwood, kind of piney, foresty, bergamonty. Yeah, I don't know what that is. I'm I'm like in a forest. Yes. I'm like I love fern. The, I love the smell of tobacco. That's not tobacco. And I semi like the smell spicy. of vanilla. It's not warm. I know. I'm I'm a little disappointed in the Tom Ford. Yeah, that's tobacco not tobacco vanilla. Because those two things sound like they should smell so good together. Because you love my mix of the cloud with the weed. Right. This yeah, should that's be the same thing. Yes, it should. This should be, in my mind, what I'm picturing is like a woman who already smells really good, warm, vanilla-y, a little sweet. And then she's at like a cigar rolling yes. table. Yes. And those two smells together yes. is what this should smell like. And yes. it does not smell like not that. Not at all. It's spicy. It's woodsy. 
It is not warm. That's why we bought the sample size. Yeah, of course. Okay, well, now I want to try. I'm going to find us a sample of the Killian Don't Be Shy because I hear it has hints of like marshmallow, but it's supposed to be like a woodsy or. But it's also supposed to smell like Rihanna. Well, duh. That's clearly the only reason I have and sparked the, my interest. The in reason it, yeah. I've been off put by it is because people keep selling, keep saying in the reviews, like there's no way that Rihanna smells this fucking sweet. They're like, there's oh. no way she's going to wear this sweet ass perfume. So I would be willing to smell it and try it. Yeah. But yeah, I would need that little sample size. Of uh-huh. It. No. Darn it. We'll but I have, I have another one for next episode. It lingers, though. Like, I'm smelling it. It doesn't smell bad. No. It does not smell it bad. It just doesn't smell as advertised. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you put it right out there in the name. It's yeah. not like it's called something else. It's not like it's called uh, whatever. A walk in the woods Mystery is what this should be called. by Tom Ford. And they're like, oh, with notes of tobacco. Mm-hmm. No, you put that shit in the name, homie. No, this is camping. <laughs> camping in but spring. But without the good... Wood. No, no, no. Exactly. No, this is like wet camping. This yeah. is like woodsy. Yeah, yeah. Fern is a good way to describe mm-hmm. it. It's very like it's green fern gully. forest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Fern gully vibes. Jesus. Perfect. Fern gully vibes. Uh, well, that was fun. Um, other than that, the only recommendation I can make for things watching, obviously, if you haven't finished Stranger Things, do that. It was great. I haven't. We were waiting for when we get back. Perfect. I'm excited. I'm glad you liked it. And that well, it didn't like let you down. Mm, yeah, everything lets us down. It's di- it didn't let me down. It just ends in a different way than you think it's going to. Is this four or is this five? This is four. Okay, so we still have one more to go. Yeah, but okay. hopefully it should be out sooner because COVID is what made us wait three years. Oh, that's nice. So hopefully, because they were doing a season a year yeah. until COVID. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, no, I've been watching The Bear on Hulu, and it's been fantastic. <gasps> with Lip Gallagher. With Lip Gallagher. It is. It's Is it too dramatic? No. Okay. It's very, in fact, I would say it's less dramatic than Shameless. Because the clips I see are so intense. The, like, clips on TikTok. It's chaotic. Yeah. And um, it has that Shameless feel where it's very, like, chaotic, very much like we're getting by by the skin of our teeth and we're trying to make this work and everyone's an asshole and it's really fucking hard to get these people to like fall in line Mm -hmm. but without the like emotional trauma okay that is shameless well good so So, it's not a heavy one and it's only a half hour perfect it's like 28 minutes it looked heavy so i haven't no 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 it's not yay unless they unless i mean i'm over halfway through and nothing super heavy's happened so far perfect but no, it's great. And he's very Lip Gallagher-esque. Yeah, but you like, could tell. I mean. Yeah, but like the whole thing about Lip was he, it was so sad because he was a genius and he never lived up to his potential. He could never get his shit together. Yeah. This guy really does like go out and he makes it. Mm-hmm. He becomes like the head chef at um, French Laundry. Oh, damn. Like he makes yeah. it, makes mm-hmm. it. And then his brother dies and leaves him this shitty fucking wet sandwich place at south side chicago nice. and he yeah. has to move back home where literally not one person gives a fuck, fuck. who he is yeah yeah no one gives a fuck and uh-huh. he's trying to make this beat down restaurant work i love it so yeah great very cool and we both have worked in the restaurant setting oh yeah so for us it's especially fun oh yeah so yeah that would be my only recommendation that's what i've been watching is the bear and other than that just trying to get this episode together because I was <laughs> unprepared for how horrific this was going to be. I 
can't even imagine because again i had a 1931 movie and there's no way that this movie 1931 has anything to do with this fucking case because this guy is so horrific it was so hard to read about him i would put him right up there with the worst guys we've ever talked about it was harder than ted bundy it was harder than edmund kemper like i mean he was up there for like sick gross people to read about okay yeah I was at work doing it and I was like at a little break and so I was like trying to do some notes and, and you're like, like nope holy shit like it's making my stomach hurt I'm so excited that a random look up yeah got us here would lead to this it's wild this is two episodes back now yeah yeah um who are we doing it was for the hillside stranglers because mm-hmm. they went to go kill the daughter of the actor. Correct. And I'm movie. like, I'm like, who would it be? Peter and, you're like, and we're like, obviously the infamous. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I have a lot of true crime fans in my life. And I've asked them all if they know who this is. And nobody did. Wow. Because you did know. Yeah. I've heard of him. I yeah. remember a lot. But there are podcasts about him. Mm-hmm. Like our beloved Serial Killers podcast, which I did listen to for this. But this week we are doing... The Vampire of Dusseldorf, a.k.a. Peter Curtin. 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 K-U-R-T-E-N. Curtin. Yeah, Curtin. Yeah. The, the Curtin. People, <laughs> the people on on Serial Killers Podcast Curtin. says Curtin. Yeah. And if that's, that's what, I'm going with them because yeah. they're the intelligent ones. Mm-hmm. We're just the idiots who drink and repeat what they say. <laughs> you know? Thanks, guys. <laughs> um. So if you are listening at home, please take place. Take. Wait, please do what? <laughs> take a sip. No, take, I know. Oh. Take, um, what are you doing? Participate in oh. our game, in our THC game. <laughs> our drinking game. Take a sip. Play along. Take a hit. Do whatever you want to do. Anytime we are not in the pod shed, we spill something. We mention a badass big sister. We mention an old episode of THC. We mention the hit show Monk or we cheers. Boom. So I think the first one we can even do so far is cheers. Yeah. It's going to be a slow cheers. night. Cheers. <laughs> We are back in the pod shed, sweating it out. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can definitely reference old episodes, but I don't have names and numbers written down. Yeah, no, exactly. I've maybe got one, and clearly we're not going to have any monk references. Clearly. Okay, so this week I got a lot of information from, of course, all things interesting, our girl Katie Serena, Serial Killers podcast, like I said, two-part episode, an article by Ranker, an article by crimeandinvestigation.co.uk and, of course, Wikipedia. Always. Always a good one. Okay, you ready to hear about the vamp himself? So much so, because I thought you were talking out of your ass with your fucking vampire of Hufflepuff. Like, this cannot be a real thing. And now you're telling me it's one of the worst of all time. I mean, at least the worst that we've done so far on this podcast. I can't fucking wait. All right. Peter Curtin is born May 26, 1883 in Cologne, Germany. He is born into extreme poverty. He is the oldest of 13 kids. And his dad, are you ready, B? Are you sitting down for this? Is a sadistic, abusive alcoholic who regularly beats um, Peter and his siblings, but especially Peter being the oldest, and will regularly come home drunk from the bars and 
force his wife to have sex with him in front of his kids because they all share a one-bedroom apartment. Awesome. So that's not great. Right. Off to a wonderful start. Around nine years old, Peter starts this very unhealthy relationship with their next door neighbor, who's also a dog catcher. Mm. Um, by the way, before we go any further, trigger warnings for everything. absolutely everything. I guess I should have said it before the raping of his wife. But I mean, if trigger warning for anything you could possibly think of. Yeah. If you've heard past episodes and you've been here before and we just say it's a trigger yeah, warning for everything. Yeah. Uh, animal abuse, fucking necrophilia and child abuse and sexual assault and rape and everything. A, B, C, D. Yep. So he has this weird relationship with the neighbor who's a dog catcher. And the dog catcher is really into abusing and torturing animals. And of course, the prime animals to use are the dogs that he catches. Wow. So he gets Peter into that. Also at age nine... Peter apparently drowns two of his friends. He claims that these are his first killings. I guess there's a river over where they live in Germany and him and his friends would take like pieces of wood and tie them together and make rafts. And so they were out on the raft one day just kind of floating around and he knew that one of his friends wasn't a very strong swimmer. So Peter pushed him into the river and then his other friend dove in to save him and Peter kind of uh, maneuvered the raft to stay on top of them so they couldn't get up out of the river and drown both of his friends, leaving Peter being the only surviving witness. So the whole thing was just chalked up to a tragic accident. Insane. Because I was going to say, like, drownings are hard and he's a little boy. Like, how is he going to drown two people? Well, if you have the raft holding them down, there you go. Around 13, he gets his first girlfriend and she does let him kind of mess around a bit, but he realizes pretty quickly that nothing he does with her pleases him at all. Mm -hmm. He finds no pleasure in it. So he's like, that's weird, but he's really horny and he really wants to fuck something. So he turns to animals and he starts fucking barnyard animals with like like his friends farms and stuff like i was gonna ask yeah yeah, he'll sneak in he'll have sex with the animals that also doesn't bring him pleasure and so one night in a fit of rage and frustration he stabs one of the animals he's having sex with i believe it is a female sheep okay and when the blood squirts out of the sheep's body he ejaculates immediately Mm -hmm. he's like oh we're on to something here Wow, this is intense early on. By 1899, 16-year-old Peter is now running away from home a lot to try to escape how terrible it is there. He kind of just survives on petty crime, robberies, burglaries, that Mm -hmm. type of shit. His dad at that same time is arrested for being caught having incestuous relations with his 13-year-old daughter, He's then jailed for three years. Okay. Peter does come back as the man of the house and tries to make it happen. He works, brings money into the family. Yeah. Yada, yada, yada. We know that never lasts long. Um, eventually, his dad comes out. He tries to make it work with Peter. The whole thing blows up. Okay. So now Peter leaves home again and again is just like 
doing all these little petty crimes, but he keeps getting busted. He keeps going in and out of jail. The horrific jail conditions of like the late 1800s, wow. early 1900s. Yeah. Insane. Is really like feeding into his rage and is really feeding into his like dark tendencies that mm-hmm. he already has. It's mm-hmm. kind of making him a darker and darker person. Because if he's being tortured in a way, that's only going to make him want to do worse things to others. As he's in and out of jail in 1904, he's drafted for which war, Bailey? One. 1904, Germany. Yeah, World War One. Good Woo! job. But the military is not really for him. So <laughs> he deserts his barracks pretty quickly. <clears throat> All right. So he deserts the military. He gets out. He's still doing his little petty crimes in May 1913. He's trying to rob a house. Okay. He's trying to rob an apartment that's above a pub. And he's finding nothing worth stealing. Okay. But he does find sleeping 10-year-old Christine Klein, who is home alone sleeping because her parents own the pub downstairs. They're at work. And at first he tries to strangle her. And that doesn't really do anything for him. So then he slits Christine's throat, and once he sees the blood, he ejaculates immediately. Wow. Okay. So he doesn't need penetration at all. No. He just needs the sight of blood and, like, Mm -hmm. violence and, like, controlling another person. Yeah. He leaves her there. He flees the scene. The next day, he kind of returns to the scene. He goes to a bar across the street to get a drink where he hears the locals, of course, talking about this horrific crime scene and the investigation that's going on. And he gets an instant high from it. He loves it. He loves that everyone is like scared and he feels like he's a real menace to society. And he really like kind of gets off on that. So he does make it a habit afterwards. He'll go and visit. Christine's grave Mm -hmm. and he claims that just touching the dirt of her grave and picturing what he did to her he'll just like ejaculate again and again and again that's all he needs is to like be near her dead body to like have those feelings return cool two months later he breaks into the home of 17 year old Gertrude who's also sleeping this time he strangles her And he strangles her so hard that she starts coughing up blood, which, of course, gets him off, gets him off. And then later that. So at some point when he's in and out of prison, he learns about arson. Mm -hmm. These people tell him about arson. So he also goes. He's a firebug. So he also goes on like an arson spree. Okay. He loves it. He's busy. He especially loves to set fire to buildings where he thinks that there's homeless people in there because he's hoping that he's like setting them on fire and like burning them alive. Mm hmm. So later that year, he is arrested for burglary and arson. And then they see that he's a military deserter. So he goes to prison for a while. He goes for about eight years. He's out in 1921, where he finally reconnects with one of his sisters. He wants to clean up his life. Of course, her being not a badass big sister because he's the oldest, but, you know, a caring sister, I guess, sets him up with this woman she knows named Augusta who is a candy shop owner. Uh-huh. Okay. And Augusta, unbeknownst to his sister even, ends up being the perfect match for him because besides being a former sex worker, she had done some time in jail for being accused of shooting her fiancé. Uh-huh. 
He survived. So she went down for like attempted murder. But, you know, she's not like a squeaky clean yeah, angel yeah. either. Uh-huh. However, as we know, time and time again with these psychopaths, she is not enough to keep up with Peter's sidistic sex no. wants and needs. Nope. So he cheats on her all, all the, the time. time. And in fact, he has these two mistresses that he just gets more and more violent with until finally one of them says fuck this and presses charges against him for forcing her into having sex and strangling her during sex and doing like these violent things towards her mm-hmm. now he's back in prison okay six months later this is it he's out and he's pissed he's had enough of this shit he's been out of prison so many times yeah he has a real chip on his shoulder against society. He really thinks that like society's out to get him yeah. and he's ready to like fight back and be a menace to society. Fuck you. He tried going the right way. Yeah. He tried having a job. I he tried did it your way. I tried having a wife yeah. and look where it got Ugh. me. So now he's going to start his killing spree. February okay. 1929, he attacks an elderly woman, Apollonia. He hides in some bushes and kind of watches her. She's like out on a little walk. He jumps out of the bushes and grabs her, dragging her back to behind the bushes and stabs her 24 times with a pair of scissors that he keeps in his pocket. Okay. Some of these stab wounds go so deep that they hit the bone, but she survives. Shut up. She survives. What? This old woman? You're going to find out that Peter is a sick fucker, but he's not great at killing people. Which we have known. Yes. In a lot of our killers. He sure tries a Cocky lot. Cocky motherfuckers. He tries so hard. Wow. And he fails a lot. Fuck you. Good. <laughs> yes, bitch. You tell him. That same month, Peter strangles a nine-year-old girl, Rosa, unconscious, by stabbing her in the stomach, the temple, the genitals, and the heart with scissors. This, of course, makes him ejaculate. And then he takes his fingers and he inserts his semen into her vagina. This is also the first time that I think she's bleeding from her head. And it's the first time that he starts sucking the blood of his victims. Wow. So, he so sucks here the blood we become our vampire temple. Okay. Here's the vampire tie. He then drags her body behind to, behind like a hedge and comes back later with some kerosene to light the body on fire to get rid of evidence. But um, her body is found the next day. Five days later, he stabs 45-year-old mechanic Rudolph 20 times in the upper body, eventually killing him. After Rudolph's body is found, Peter returns to the scene to like check out the investigation and even talks to some of the investigating officers because he gets off on like seeing everybody making such a big fuss about everything. Mm -hmm. So even though these last three victims are different ages, different genders, all three have had similar um, wounds, obviously same amount of brutality And they've all been found in similar locations around Dusseldorf. And they've all been found around dusk. Or they've all been killed around dusk. Okay. And there's no other motive for their killing, meaning they weren't robbed or anything like that. Mm -hmm. They were just killed or attempted killed. Right. Now, Peter attempts to strangle four more women between March and July 1929. 
he doesn't kill any of them until August 11th when he rapes, strangles, and stabs a young woman named Maria who Peter had met um, previously and had asked out on a date. And so they go on their date. Um, they're on their date for several hours. And finally, Peter lures Maria to a meadow where he starts murdering her, but he purposefully prolongs her death for about an hour while he reports that she begged for her life. Eventually, he buries her body in a cornfield. He comes back a few weeks later to uh, retrieve her remains. He wants to nail them to a tree as like a taunt to like the police. Wow. But she's her remains are too heavy for him to like actually get up onto the tree to then nail. Yeah, you kind can't of a do it all. Job. Yeah. So he puts her back in the grave where he then lays down with her and caresses her body for a while and kind of like snuggles up to her yeah. and then reburies her. I believe he also sucked Maria's blood. He doesn't suck everyone's blood. Okay. Just certain people. Okay. Just whenever the whim hits him. Yeah. Three months later, Peter writes a letter to the police okay. to confess and describe with a map where Maria, Maria's body is. So her body is eventually found by the police, but just because he sends them a letter and a map. Okay. Interesting. Anonymously, of course. Obviously. August 21st, he stabs an 18-year-old girl, a 30-year-old man, and a 37-year-old woman in three separate random attacks. All three survive. <laughs> three days later, he attacks two young sisters. They're leaving the local fair, which just really got me because I think of our local fair and like kids kind of coming oh, yeah. in and out. The two girls, um, one is 14, one is five, are leaving the fairgrounds. He stops them and and talks the 14-year-old into going back into the fair to buy him some cigarettes. And she can keep the change. So, of course, she jumps on it. Of course, he'll watch her five-year-old sister while she does that. Obviously. As soon as um, that badass big sister is gone, he lifts the five-year-old up off the ground by her neck, strangling her until she's unconscious, slitting her throat, and then discards her body behind something. Yeah. The 14-year-old sister returns, and he then strangles and stabs her as well. Again, he bites her neck so hard that she starts bleeding from her neck, and he drinks her blood. There we go. Neither girl is sexually assaulted or raped, probably because he didn't have time, and probably because it's kind of public. And he doesn't have to. Like, that's not... Yeah, that's not what he's into. Uh Uh-uh. But he still does it a lot, so... Yeah, I mean, that's because he's a sick fuck, but that's not a necessity. So, the next day, Peter randomly asks a 27-year-old woman, Gertrude... There's a lot of Gertrudes. Yeah. Many Gertrudes. Yeah, popular name. (laughs) He asks a 27-year-old woman named Gertrude for sex, just randomly, like, walking down the street. He asks her for sex. Hey, you. She denies him. Yeah. And so he stabs her in the head and neck, shoulders and back. She survives, but can't provide a solid description to police other than he looked like he was around 40 years old. Hmm. He then tries to kill two other people. They both survive. Um, and this. So he tries with to- all these survivors. We I don't know. have. He so he sneaks up behind them and attacks them, and he yeah. doesn't say a word when he does it. Okay. So the like asking the lady for sex—that's kind of rare. Normally, what he's doing is sneaking up behind people okay. and attacking. Okay. 
So he tries to kill two other people, again, two random people back to back with the whole strangle stab Mm -hmm. thing that he has going. Mm -hmm. Both those people survive. So now he's decided it's time to move on to hammers. Oh, wow. The next two attacks happen, um, I think, 10 days apart or so. I'm going to talk about them together because they're both so similar. Okay. But on September 30th, he attacks 31-year-old Ida, and on October 11th, he attacks 22-year-old Elizabeth. Both women are servants. He convinces both of them to join him for, like, a walk along the river. Okay. And then maybe stop into a cafe to get a coffee or, a you know, a snack or something. Mm-hmm. But really what he does is pull both of them into, like, a, you know, some seedy part of the world and repeatedly rapes both of them and strike them both with a hammer. Think they both die, but I'm not 100% sure. Okay. I didn't write it down. Hmm? October 25th, there's two more hammer attacks on two random women. They both survived. Okay. November 29th, Peter convinces five-year-old Gertrude to follow him to like a deserted, like a, a row of deserted allotments. Mm-hmm. Do you know what an allotment is? A store? A garden. A garden. So in Europe, I, for us, it would be like a community garden. Okay. But in Europe, they'll have like community gardens that you like basically pay for your allotment. And they're like, okay, how many rows do you want? And you're like, I want four rows in my allotment. Yeah. And it comes with like a little garden shed for you. And you can garden there. If you like live Cute. in an apartment or something, you can have an that's allotment. That's your own, lo- your own little plot of land. These are a, a dessert allotments, so like a deserted garden. Okay. Anyways, he um, lures poor, sweet five-year-old Gertrude to this abandoned allotment where he does strangle and stab her in the temple just once. And then he drops her body and continues to stab her 34 times. Oh, is that all? Eventually um, abandoning her body in like a pile of weeds. So as you can imagine, even before now, the press has gone crazy. Yeah. They're the ones who, of course, deem this mystery killer the vampire of Dusseldorf. The police are inundated with 13,000 letters from the public with leads and clues and ideas. And they follow each and every single one of them up. Mm-hmm. They interview a total of 9,000 people. Wow. They even have, in the middle of all of this, like way before Gertrude, the five-year-old Gertrude's death, they even arrest a man for this, for the attacks, because there's a mentally ill man who has, in all fairness, attacked people himself. Mm-hmm. And because he's so mentally ill or or have, you know, some learning disabilities or whatever his deal is, Basically, even way back then in the early 1900s, the police used that to their advantage and coerced him into a false confession. Mm -hmm. And so he does confess to the attacks, but then they have him in jail and the attacks keep happening. So they realize pretty quickly that that's not going to work. It Mm -hmm. wasn't him. Meanwhile, Peter is busy sending three different letters to different newspapers with details of the murders and locations that only the police would really know or the murderer would know. Mm -hmm. Very Zodiac killer. Very. uh, Who else did that? The Hillside Stranglers do that or the Alphabet Killer? One of them in a recent episode did that, too. They just these narcissistic psychopaths that need to show off on top of everything yes, and outsmart them yeah. and taunt them. He is definitely I'm so one of those. much smarter than you. Yeah. 
1930, between February and March, there are 10 more victims of strangling or hammer attacks. They all d- survive, mm-hmm. and most of them can give the police a good description of there Peter. There we go. That's what I was hoping for. May 14th, 1930, 20-year-old Maria arrives in Dusseldorf via train. She is there in search of, like, um, a job and a house and kind of, like, a fresh start. Mm-hmm. But um, she's a little wary because of all the attacks that have been happening around Dusseldorf, of course. So uh, she meets a man at the train station who offers to help her find her way to the hostel she's supposed to be staying at. And when he starts taking her through kind of like an abandoned, sketchy neighborhood, she gets real suspicious. Like, she's like, babe, you shouldn't have even been talking to him in the first place. Right. Yeah. But, but she is mm-hmm, real suspicious because mm-hmm. of the vampire. He's on the loose. And so they start arguing and she's like, get me out of this neighborhood. Like, take me somewhere more populated. They go back and forth when another man sees that they're arguing and he intervenes. Okay. Kind of like, you know, stops the fight, chases the guy away a bit. And the guy just walks off into the night because the guy that was watching could tell that that guy was up to no good and that he was trying to lure her into like a deserted place. Okay. The man that helped her that stopped and intervened was, of course... Peter Curtin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know. I was waiting for that. So charming, outgoing Peter. Because that's the thing is Peter was on the handsome side. He was always well-dressed. Mm-hmm. He was charming. He was outgoing. It was very easy for Peter to lure these people Convince into him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, man. No, I had a feeling I could. The curve was coming. So Peter invites her back to his apartment for just like some food, a beverage, rest a little bit and then we'll go figure out the hostile situation after she gets there that he realize she realizes that this isn't going to be for free yeah she tells him right away i'm not we're not having sex for this yeah. interaction he's like yeah okay no problem i'll take you to your hostel now and instead he leads her to some woods where he strangles and rapes her but our girl maria gets away Woo! get it maria so Maria doesn't file a police report because she, quite frankly, doesn't think that they'll care. I don't know why she thinks that with the vamp on the loose. Right? But, Everyone but cares. She does write a very detailed letter to a friend just kind of venting about this, like, crazy, scary thing that happened to her. Okay. And she writes the wrong address. She writes an address that it can't be mailed to. So the post office, trying to figure out where to send it to, a post office worker opens the letter and reads it and they're the ones who are like no 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 no. this is red flag city and they send it and forward it to the police yes the police care very fucking much about yes. what maria went through so they call her up and talk to her and she's like yeah i can take you to his apartment and so they take her they go to the apartment as they're pass as they're walking up to the apartment they pass peter oh and my she gosh. makes eye contact with him <gasps> and she's like that's him and so they turn around and they run out and they give chase and Peter gets away. Wow. But they have his apartment and the landlord can confirm his name, who yeah. he is, all of that good Incredible. stuff. Incredible. But Peter has been tipped off, so he hides out for a while. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he leaves. I don't think he leaves Dusseldorf. I think he's just hiding. Mm-hmm. He finally decides to come home on May 23rd where he, after all this time and all this drama, confesses to his wife that he is the vampire Dusseldorf. Wow. He confesses to her everything he's done. Could you fucking imagine? No. Absolutely not. She had no clue. 
How though? I mean, she knew that he was like cheating on her and stuff, but yeah. that's like pretty normal for the thirties. Yeah, that's so crazy. As the he does care for his wife. You know, there's only so much that somebody like him can probably feel. Yeah. I don't know if he can feel love. But whatever he but did. But they've been it was... together and, and he cares for her. So as as one last ditch effort to prove that he cares and as a thank you for kind of the life that they've had together, he tells her that she needs to turn him in so she can collect oh, the reward money. Oh, okay. Because there's a substantial reward out for him. Gotcha. And so she does. Wow. The next day, she calls the police, tells them everything. And then shortly after, Peter is arrested, where he quickly confesses to everything. He admits to 63 crimes, which include nine murders, 31 attempted murders. Wow. What a record. On April 13th, 1931, he go. He is tried for nine counts of murder and seven counts of attempted murder. At first, he pleads not guilty due to insanity. Several days later, he changes that to guilty. He wants to plead guilty. And he, he makes a statement to the court. He says, quote, I have no remorse. As to whether recollection of my deeds makes me feel ashamed, I will tell you that thinking back to all the details is not at all unpleasant. I rather enjoy it. So lovely. They have a 10-day trial. The defense tries the best they can. But I mean, really, at this point, what are you going to do? Finally, on April 22nd, 1931, he is found guilty. And he is sentenced to death. He later writes letters of apology to his wife and to the victim's families. And on July 1st, 1931, he has his last meal. What do you think it was? He's German. German chocolate cake. <laughs> oh, my God. That'd be amazing. I think you would really appreciate his last meal. His last meal is Wiener Schnitzel. Hey. With fried potatoes okay. and a bottle of wine. Oh, yeah. And then he even asks for seconds. I don't know that I'd want wine with my schnitzel, but yeah. Yeah, I know. I but want a lager. If you're still. about to go out. Yeah. Yeah, but wine, you can get so much drunker. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> The next day on July 2nd at 6 a.m., he is walked to the guillotine, which was Mm. specially built just for him. So his last words were to the executioner, and he asks, he says, quote, tell me, after my head is chopped off, will I still be able to hear, at least for a moment, the sound of my own blood gushing from the stump of my neck? That would be the pleasure to end all pleasures. And the executioner just answers him, no. And then because, they chop his yeah, head off. Yeah, they don't want to give him the satisfaction of anything. That's so fucking interesting and appalling all at the same time. It gets more appalling. How? He's dead. His head is then dissected and mummified because they're trying to see if there's any like abnormalities in his brain to For make real, him though. such a sick fuck. It's a great idea. They find no abnormalities. Yeah. But they do mummify his head and you can still see his head on display at the Ripley's Believe It or Not Museum in our own Wisconsin. (gasps) We needed a reason to go to Wisconsin. You got all your family. (laughs) Yeah. 
So you can go see the mummified head of the vampire of Dusseldorf, Peter Curtin, in our own how did Wisconsin. They, how did they get USA. it and why? Like, Listen, a- again, we, ask, we don't ask questions. I've never even heard of it. And that's all like, yeah, bitch, we got his head mm-hmm. mummified. So there you go. That's the vampire of Dusseldorf. I don't know He's what fucked movie up, I huh? watched. I don't know what movie I watched or why. I know. But what do you think of Peter Curtin? Incredible. Like I said, I'm fascinated. For someone I've never even heard of. For someone I've never even heard of, I'm the true crime person. And like, he really nailed it. Yeah. From an early age, just weirdo going for it. And zero remorse. Zero. Owning it. Yeah. Loved it. The idea of him being executed is like fuck yeah like what a way to go out like if i like, could I, can I hear my own blood yeah he's really had a thing for blood right and yeah. the fact that they were still killing people via guillotine in the 30s i wonder why they built one just for him was it because he was just that evil <laughs> i don't know do you think they got to choose back then because i think you get to choose nowadays if anything, i don't want his fucking mummified head i want his guillotine <laughs> Well, we've talked about this before on the podcast. Remember when the last guillotine killing was? It was like in the, it was really, we've done this before. So if you're a longtime listener, I'm so sorry. But it was like. That's the other thing that I really enjoyed about this is that we started out in the 1800s and that we ended up in the 1900s. That's bizarro. The last guillotine execution was in 1977 in France. Crazy. Our parents were, yeah. my husband was alive for that. My husband was born in 75. Yeah, crazy. <laughs> There's video of it. Yeah. Uh-huh. So anyways, but yeah, he chose guillotine. Oh, I don't know if he chose, but, but he got they guillotine. chose. Mm-hmm. Which might not have been the thing for him. They should have done. Because he enjoyed it so much. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I think you can hear and stuff still. I so don't know. He had one last good right? memory to like go off of, which he didn't fucking deserve. So I, I wish they would have done something else for him. I should have like drowned him like he drowned those little boys that'd be good because that's gotta be the worst fire i don't think that's the worst i mean i think what he did to all those women is worse than probably drowning it's all pretty bad no i know none of it's great i mean yeah (laughs) all right so tell me there's no and by the way he was executed in 1931 they jumped on this movie for no reason yeah because none of it's about for no reason i think they just even back then they used the like based on a true story or based on true events, which we all know isn't based on anything really. Well, not based on anything. And I would like to say the one thing I kept thinking about when I was re when I was doing this case, and it's so old, like you said, it started in the eighteen hundreds, it ended in the early nineteen hundreds. Is when you then talk about like the West Memphis Three, the Danny Eccles, when you start talking about Columbine and those motherfuckers, this like modern idea of like. It's the video games. It's the lack of religion in school. It's the fucking TV and the movies and the music. Dated it's Marilyn bitches. Manson. You're yeah. like, Look nah, back bruh. This has been going on forever. As long as there's been mankind, there's been fucked up humans doing fucked up things. Yeah. And it has nothing to do with Rob Zombie or Marilyn Manson or Call of Duty. Right. Fucked up people exist. They do for many different reasons. Mm-hmm. And people who are into true crime and stuff exist. Like if you go way back to these crimes, there's always reports of people hanging around the crime scene, trying to see what they can find out from cops, trying to take pieces from the crime scene, trampling the crime scene, 
uh, Bonnie and Clyde, remember, they were trying to rip pieces of clothing off, off their, their dead bodies. bodies. People have always been interested yeah. and obsessed with this shit. Mm-hmm. So it's not a new phenomenon. No. All right. Tell me about. I love the name. M is for murder. Um, if it was a podcast with just me, that might be the name of my podcast. The vibe is black and white with subtitles, baby. There's a group of children standing in a circle in like an apartment complex center, right? And they're playing a game similar to Duck, Duck, Goose, Mm -hmm. but it's not a duck or a goose. It's like a boogeyman. (laughs) And if you're the one that gets picked, you die. Because everything's scarier in (laughs) Eastern Europe. Well, it's because there's a murderer Mm. on the loose Mm -hmm. and they're all scared so there's a woman like up above in an apartment like yelling down at them like stop playing that cursed game and mumbles to herself like we haven't heard enough about those gruesome murders and another woman's like clapping back like well just be thankful you can hear them singing because at least then we know they're still there (laughs) I guess yeah It's noon. The parents are lining up outside the local public school to collect their kids. But not Elsie Beckman. She's walking home alone, playing with a ball. It bounces against a pole. And on the pole is a sign that reads, Who's the murderer? And they're offering a cash reward for information. When we see the shadow of a man dressed in a coat and a hat, whistling in the hall of the mountain king and that's the that's why i was listening to it earlier i had to get it in my head yeah yeah that's what he's whistling okay and in the movie it is very much you see a shadow creeping up from behind yeah we don't ever really see him for the most part so I'll give it that. (laughs) He comes up from behind. All right. I'm going to tie in as much as I can. He buys her a balloon to kind of lure her in. We see Elsie's mom back at home preparing a meal, but she becomes concerned when the other children who live in the building show up, but she doesn't. And immediately news breaks of Elsie's disappearance. And that marks the ninth victim over the past year. Okay. Okay. We see the murderer from behind again writing a letter. It reads, because police didn't publish my first letter, I'm now writing directly to the press. Proceed with your investigations. All will soon be confirmed, but I am not done yet. Okay, so that's like Peter Curtin. He's writing to newspapers and police officers. And I made the same Zodiac Mm -hmm. connection, episode 50. The anxiety of the town, all-time high, reoccurring theme on the podcast. Yep. And it's due to the failure of the police to apprehend the suspect. But it's not because of their efforts. They are doing fucking everything. Um, people start to turn on one another. Like, for instance, friends and neighbors will start accusing each other. Um, like, oh, you were seen with the missing kid or you were too friendly with, with the missing person or whatever. Dare you speak 
to a child on the street. Yeah. <laughs> for real. I right. would avoid it at all costs. Uh-huh. Basically, everyone's a suspect. Mm-hmm. Right? Criminals are brought in for unrelated crimes, like pickpocketing, but they're being treated like suspects. Just desperately, police are trying to make any connection they can. When the letter by the killer is received, there are fingerprints found on the envelope, which gives them something, but it doesn't lead to anything. Officers are seen working 24-7. Their shifts are leaving them tired and on edge. And as a result, like, they're not doing their best, right? They're Mm -hmm. fucking worn out. Yep. They did find a crumpled candy wrapper in some bushes near a crime scene. They search every candy store in the area. You did say something about a candy store. Kind of. <laughs> it's a fucking candy store. His wife owned a candy store. Boom. There's a candy store. I'm I'm using it. Okay. Okay. I'm, I'm using it. You're using Augusta's candy store? Yes. Then we see them raiding nightclubs, shelters, criminal hangouts. Every night they're going through everyone's belongings. They're taking all the alcohol, all the weapons, 24-hour surveillance of all the train stations, roadblocks, you fucking name it. And they did they did um search, I think it was like two hundred and something, like two hundred and sixty clubs. Mm-hmm. They did. So, so they were doing the same thing. They were tearing up the town. And if this is going on for eight months and you are an underground gangster, yeah. this ain't good for biz. Yeah. And you th- also want to catch the vampire diesel door. So plus underground gangsters have kids. These bosses of these different gangs are done and they've decided to meet and they agree that they're going to work together to do their best to help find the murderer before the police. I love this. Yeah. I wish it was a modern movie. So at the same time that they're doing that, police officers are meeting to make their game plan, right? It's very like back and forth. They're trying to crack down even harder. They're setting up ID checks at all the state lines. They're forcing property owners and landlords to consent to random raids. Crime bosses need to monitor the children without drawing attention. So their idea is to stage like beggars, less fortunate people on street corners, mm-hmm. right? That are, you know, asking for money or trying to sell something or whatever. And they're acting as surveillance, watching everything that's going on on the streets. And in return, anyone that supplies them with the information to catch the killer, they get rewards. Police are focusing on the postcard that was sent to the local newspaper. They are trying to focus on recently released criminals, mentally ill patients, and for whatever reason, they do lead to our killer's apartment. And in the movie, his name is like Hans Beckert. Okay. Okay. He is the reason for the whole episode. Hans Beckert is Peter Lore. Okay. Okay. And Peter's daughter was the almost victim of the Hillside Stranglers. So. Right. He's not home at the time. But the woman that owns the building has to consent to the raid, Mm -hmm. right? 
So they're in. They find a certain brand of cigarette and a red pencil, and it matches the one used to write the postcard. Okay. An officer recognizes the cigarette brand. It was found at multiple crime scenes, and so they're confident this is their man, but they don't know where to find him. He happens to be out window shopping. Is he shopping for clothes? No. He sees another little girl. Mm. She, like, catches his reflection in the window, like, peeking Mm -hmm. behind her shoulder. Lucky for that girl, her mother was nearby and immediately whisks her away to safety. So when he doesn't get what he wants, he decides to go grab a few drinks. He has a smoke. He's whistling to himself. And that reminds one of the guys doing surveillance. He sold him the balloon the mm-hmm. day that Elsie went missing. And it's the dun 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 dun. Yeah. And so he's like, I fucking recognize that tune. Amazing. And so he alerts people like, we got to keep an eye on this guy. Mm-hmm. Something's up. They catch him at a candy store where he's purchasing treats for another little girl. Back on the street, he's peeling an orange. He's throwing the peels on the street. So the man following him decides to use that as, like, his in. Like, he'll pretend to, like, slip on the orange peel. Like, it's a fucking banana. Like, it's a cartoon. Okay. Right? Grabs the guy's shoulder for support. And he transfers, like, a chalk or coal written M. Okay, that's what the M comes from. Onto his shoulder. Okay. Leaves the mark, right, that Lore can't see. Unfortunately, even though Lore, Becker, whatever, can't see it, the little girl does and alerts him to it when she's trying to wipe it off for him. Oh, my gosh. What was the point of the M? Murderer. I know, but. To keep so other people. So you don't lose him? Yeah. Other people on other street corners, the other surveillance team. Mm-hmm. Okay, perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Okay. And so now he realizes that people are following him, right? Mm-hmm. He runs, leaving the girl behind, and he sneaks into an office building. But it's like in the evening, people are already leaving for the day. Right. And the building is basically empty. Um. So... He's just hiding in there. Police are waiting for him at his house, expecting him to come home. But the men following him know he's in there. So they alert the crime bosses like, now's your chance. This is where you're going to corner him. Very interesting. Mm -hmm. The night watchman of the building had just enough time to alert police. However, then he was captured by the gangsters. They do manage to escape with Becker just before police arrive. Unfortunately, they leave one man behind. Police get him to rat on the location. They've basically taken Becker to, like, the basement of an abandoned distillery. Okay. Where they're holding a mock trial. Okay. Right? Where they're presenting him with the information that they have on him Mm -hmm. and why he's fucking everything up for them. Beckert tries to escape 
multiple times. <laughs> like, just tries to run for it. Yeah. He even demands to be handed over to police because he's like, at least then I'll get a fair trial. He tries to tell them that an evil voice made him do it. He can't remember anything. They're like, I'm sure you'd like to get off on an insanity plea, but that's not going to happen. If we give you over to police, they'll take care of you for the rest of the life. Like, we're better off just killing you. But just as they're coming to that conclusion, of course, police show up and everyone's arrested. And we see the trial for Becker end with the mothers of the slain children waiting for the verdict while commenting that nothing will ever bring them back and wanting others to keep a closer watch over their children. Okay. So they made him out to be like a child killer in the movie. Which he did. Peter, Peter, Peter Curtin killed a lot of kids. A lot of kids, for sure. But he also, I don't think he had. I don't think he had a preference. Yeah, no. The only reason he preferenced children, especially younger children, was because they were just easier to lure away, Mm -hmm. and they were easier to like manhandle. They actually fully passed. Right, a lot of the adults tended to survive. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, so what'd you think of the movie, 1931? To be fair, for a 1931 movie, it wasn't that bad. Yeah. And I think reading the subtitles helped a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, obviously, I don't think it has anything to do with... You guys, it's not the 4th of July Hey, anymore. happy July 8th, everybody, according to our neighbors. Uh, <laughs> Time to celebrate. Let those fireworks off, baby. Oh, my God. <laughs> Anyways, I I see some similarities, but it's really a stretch. Yeah. Yeah. They were just using the famous headline because, like I said, 1931, it's the same year that he got executed. They were just using it as like a way to get people to see the movie. Well, I think the review we had read about Peter Lore was that he really brings something to a not so good movie. Yeah, he really makes terrible movies better. Well... I don't know that he made this terrible movie better. But. Yeah. But it doesn't even sound like he was this, that big of a part of this movie. Right. I will say I would love for them to do a modern version of this storyline. Because I do think. It could be. I love the idea of a serial killer being on the loose. And the investigation of the serial killer is causing so much havoc that like the mob steps in for sure i like the idea of the mob having to like come together to try to like figure it out and like kind of working with the cops a little bit and again for 1931 they did a really good job of editing the whole thing together because it was it was like you're watching the police collab and try to figure out their plan and then they boom you're looking at the gangsters all like well what are we gonna do and the back and forth and like watching them both on the street not all realizing that they're all out there doing the same thing. Yeah. It was very well done for such a... For 1931. Mm -hmm. And I Googled it because I was like, I know for a fact that the first colored movie, the first movie to use color was Wizard of Oz. And so both, just to give you guys some frame of reference of how old this fucking movie is, uh, Wizard of Oz and Gone with the Wind both came out in 1939. Yeah. So a full eight years later. Yeah. So fantastic. How many knives do you give it? I'm going to give it a two. Yeah, okay. Fair yeah. enough. Um, I mean. I mean, it's fair. It's an old fucking movie. And even like acting and stuff was different back then. It was. It's, it, it's hard to watch those really old The movies. main thing, the fact that it was even available, like yeah. that I could find it to watch 
incredible. It was meant to be. Because I grew up watching like Turner Classic movies with my aunt and I do have a soft spot in my heart for really well done movies back then, back in the like Elizabeth Taylor days. And, and this is a well done movie. And uh, yeah. who makes the lemonade? Um, Newman's own. Paul Newman. <laughs> yeah. And Clark Gable and Cary Grant mm-hmm. and all of that. But even those movies are like the 50s. Yeah. And sometimes they're hard to watch. My grandma tried to make me watch a lot of Shirley Temple. Yeah, I wasn't a big Shirley Temple fan. Obviously, neither I was I. I did like but the that, one where uh, she fell off the cliff and she was paralyzed. Clearly. Which one was uh, that one? <laughs> That was a good one. Oh my God. <laughs> but yeah, the fact that we had like bestiality tonight, that... This was, is wild. Yeah, that was really something. <laughs> and that something he else. didn't need penetration, that that wasn't a focus. Just blood. Yeah. Blood and control. I think, I think control is a big part of it too. But Anything yeah. about his IQ? No. No. No, okay. nothing about and, like him nothing in general, other pleased than him, him. Then just uh, he can put himself off as being really charming and outgoing. Right. Of course. Can't wait to see pictures. Yeah. I mean, I get it. I've seen some one of his many mug shots and I could see how back in the day. Like, yeah, but OK. He mm-hmm. Yeah. He's and he had this whole thing like he was in prison. He learned a lot from the other prisoners and was like really kind of blown away by like how street savvy they were. Mm-hmm. So like he even got all tatted. He out. was in and out of prison a lot. So many times. You know, a lot more than I even put in my notes. Really? A, a ton. Wow. A shit ton. Wow. But yeah. So then he got all like tatted out so he could like fit in with the prisoners. Oh, yeah. So yeah, he had yeah, tattoos. Yeah. Picture like Peaky Blinders with tattoos. Yeah. You know what I mean? Tattoos but, like in a three piece suit. But you know, a sadistic, terrible, horrific person. Mm-hmm. He even tried like um, he was a snitch because he didn't have any feelings. You guys, he didn't give a fuck L- literally, about anybody or yeah. anything. So like at first, the prisoners really except loved- for the soft spot for the wife or whatever. But not really a soft spot. It was just more of like a recognition. Yeah, that she had stuck by his side. Yeah, it wasn't like oh my god, I love you. You've done so much for me. It was like it was an more appreciation. Like, yeah, like an analytical like you've been here you've this long. You know, you've earned something yeah but yeah he like the prisoners really liked him because he'd give really like gruesome details about all of his exploits but then he started narking on all the prisoners to the prison guards hoping that it would like win him favor and it didn't and then everybody in prison just hated him which made things worse he spent a lot of time in solitary confinement did he ever get raped or anything he didn't that i know by the prisoners i did forget this part he was i mean i guess you could say tortured he was he was tortured by the prison guards. Good. They would like beat I the know shit it, out you know. of him. They would one time they like tied him to his bed for three weeks straight without letting him up. They would you just did really hint fuck at with him. That being a yeah. huge part of and that. And then they'd spiral. put him in solitary for long periods of time. Yeah. And And then to release that into society. Yeah, because then he would just sit there in solitary and the only way he could keep his mind off things fantasizing. is to fantasize and his fantasies would get more and more violent mm-hmm. and worse and worse and yeah. worse so yeah by the time you finally release that monster he's ready to go i hate that i get it i hate that that like makes sense to me yeah i know but i, I understand daydreaming i just that's not where my daydreams go no you know no. what i mean mm-hmm. my daydreams don't go to this really dark place i would be daydreaming about you know something else probably mm. more romantic and sweet and fun yeah but yeah no he just had no feelings none <sighs> Complete psychopath for real life. No, real for, life. One. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people want to be psychopaths, but no. they're not really. They I, end up feeling some sort of remorse or feeling some kind of way. And he did not. Yeah. Which is 
it's something. I All right, know. so a two knife review, but a really a, interesting case. A really interesting case that we wouldn't have known about. I'm so excited. You got to such a let's fun see if we can find a movie and even earlier. Right? Anyone else? Maybe a Charlie Chaplin yeah. movie out there about some true crime. Yeah. Really interesting. And um, he even got brought up because right after all of this happened, who came into power? Right after 1931, right when this is all happening, who's who's rising to power quickly? Hitler? Yeah. Woo! Two for two. And so Hitler, you history buff. I know. So Hitler would even use him in his campaigning being like, what we're going to do is we're going to rid Germany of these sick fucks like mm. Peter Curtin. We're going to get these assholes out of our country. Okie dokie. I mean, I won't lie. I'd be on board for that. I mean, have you heard about the... So there's like a famous um, like history assignment that they do in high school, some schools, where basically the teacher gives them like four, air quote, fake people to... You know, what do you call those people who are nominated for president? What are those people? Candidates. Mm-hmm. Four like fake candidates... She tells you the state of your country. She describes it to you. And basically what the teacher's describing is Germany post-World War One because Germany was really, really down in the dumps post-World War One. So she describes that that's your living situation, what your day-to-day situation's like, the hardships you're facing. And then she gives you the four candidates that are up for presidency and the platforms they're running on and will even give you like snippets of quotes from like speeches that they've given and blah, 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 blah. And you have to vote, and, and vote for Hitler. They the class will vote for Hitler unanimously every single time. I get it. Yeah, yeah. And I think the other ones that they put up are like, it's it's a few dictators. It's like Stalin, Hitler, They're maybe Lenin. But then there's always like a good one thrown in, like yeah. Churchill or Roosevelt. Yeah. But they're almost. Always vote for Hitler every time. They're salesmen. And then that's the big reveal. Is like, <laughs> congratulations, you just voted in Hitler. Yeah. Yeah. I All get it. right. So anything else you want to bring up? One thing. Mm-hmm. Well, actually two. We gotta talk about my look of the week. Oh fuck. Yes. Your look of the week. <laughs> look of the week is gonna be this. The hand. My hand. We're gonna do an M. I've got lipstick in my bag paint perfect Mm -hmm. it's like i don't know if it's the original movie cover but it's definitely artwork for For the movie movie cover and it's the hand with the red m on it because the movie is black and white so in the movie it looks like chalk yeah but i'm like well it's not like they just had chalk lying around i'm like i I mean they might have chalk existed (laughs) yeah but it was like it looked like a piece of coal i'm like well then ideally it would be black but if he's wearing a black jacket you can't see that uh-huh okay but this is a red m so i've got Which my makes red more sense for murder stick okay mm-hmm. um but for whatever reason and i don't know why i was thinking about our listeners and if we're their guilty pleasure because mm, i was thinking like i was so annoyed and just kind of like bored at work today and i'm like just searching through the internet I'm just thinking, like, I look at so much random stuff that I would never discuss with anybody else. Yeah. And listen to shit that I know only makes me happy. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm sure we're that to these people. Yeah. Like, we're not the podcast that they're like, hey, have you guys heard about, like, da 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 <laughs> They're like, I listen to this podcast. <laughs> this weird podcast. And these 
is people i had i just i was talking to one person on instagram who said that you know of course she really likes it and enjoys it and she says that she'll she finds herself like responding to us like Mm -hmm. talking to us like we're in the room and like laughing with us i love that yeah it's a good time it is but i just it made me feel some kind of way just knowing like we're a we're a guilty pleasure yeah Mm -hmm. i'm i'm with it yeah I love it. Mm-hmm. And um, we're growing strong. We've never had such big numbers. The listening numbers are stupid crazy. I mean, for us. No, I know. <laughs> Not for real podcasts. No, but still. Yeah, I know. It's it, pretty exciting. I'm like, where? If you picture that many people in a room, it's a lot of people to That's talk in front of. That's what I'm saying. That I'm overwhelmed. The fact that it's not a 12. And the fact that almost nobody that we know listens to That's us. the whole point. That's what I'm getting at. We don't advertise ourselves no, to I know, our but own I mean, friends yeah, and like family. Yeah, like our own friends and family don't. I think I know maybe two people who will listen to us occasionally. Yeah, no, exactly. Because mm-hmm. we've had friends like step in and out, but it's like, no, they are not our listeners. No. So whoever you guys are, we I don't know who some know of them you. are. I know people that I've been talking to on Instagram for at least a year. Yeah, I know. Who but we go back and We forth. don't know. No. Oh, it's yeah, just, of course. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. so crazy me it's so fun Mm -hmm. i can't believe anyone would listen to it it's amazing so happy to be the guilty pleasure so happy to be the guilty pleasure that like midnight snack oh that's a good one Mm. midnight snack of crime all right, everybody, we got to get out of here. I really want to go back to the air conditioning. I'm well, really and melting. And you have work tomorrow, and I have to be in a car. Yay. Joy. All right, everyone, I hope you really enjoyed yourselves, enjoyed your guilty little pleasure. Yeah. Um, If you could leave us a five-star review or a rating or anything, we would really appreciate it. If you want to slide into my DMs and Instagram, I'll get back to you. Um, And all of pictures of today's case and B's first time ever we've never done just a hand Mm -mm. look at the week we've done a hand being bitten it was my hand (laughs) but you were still in the picture this is the first time we've just done an appendage i think so pretty exciting stuff we're getting somewhere we're getting artsy (laughs) um all of that can be seen on thc podcast on instagram and you know if you listen thank you so much we love you we really really appreciate you yeah and we will see you you next next time. time bye